0: Well, again, uh, Happy Mother's Day. And I want to uh, begin by telling you a story about a mom named Roxy. And uh, one thing about her story is that there is a small but significant connection to Faith Westwood, which you'll see in a little bit. For 16 years, uh, Roxy worked uh, in an office in her job in California. It was a good job, it, it paid the bills, provided insurance. Uh, It had flexible hours so she could care for her family as a single mom. And then one day, the company downsized. Roxy lost her job. Well, fortunately, she'd been saving up for emergencies, and she was able able to provide for her family. And she, of course, submitted as many applications as she possibly could. Uh, She picked up a few temp jobs here and there. But after a year and a half of searching... Still, no full-time work. Her savings ran out. She and her three children moved into a friend's house. Roxy says the home was nice at first, but eventually became less welcoming. Finally, the the host family told Roxy and her children that, that they would have to move out. How would you feel in Roxy's situation? Abandoned? Afraid? Angry? Well, Roxy decided she was going to sell everything she possibly could and move to Omaha where she had some relatives there, uh, hoping also to find a new start, new opportunities for her life. Uh, Arriving in Omaha, they went directly to Lydia House, which is... the the family and women's shelter and program uh, that's connected to the Open Door Mission. And on the way there, on the way to Lydia House, she prayed, It's all on you, God. It's all on you. When they arrived at Lydia House, Roxy saw something that to her was a sign. It was a sign that God was going to take care of them. She said, God opened up, the exact number of sleeping mats on the floor in the overflow section that my family needed as many of you are already guessing here's the connection I'm nearly 100% certain that those sleeping mats that she and her family slept on were made right here at Faith Westwood today Roxy and her children live in a family unit at uh, Lydia house And things are looking better and brighter for them. Roxy graduated from WorkNet, which is um, a career assessment program at Lydia. She has she has a full-time job. Her oldest daughter has a full-time job, and Roxy thinks about the relationships that she has with other families there at Lydia, which have been such a blessing to her. She says, "We're all human. We're all on the same level." And I've learned, she says, that women going through recovery are strong and compassionate. They get that strength from each other and from the Lord. You're going to face hard times. Or you, maybe, many of you, you've already been through a whole lot right already, and you're, maybe you're going through some hard times right now. You may feel abandoned, afraid, angry. In Jesus' darkest moment, he prayed, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He felt abandoned by God. But notice in his prayer, he does not give up on God. He says, My God, my God. And here's the main thing that I, I want you to know today, the main idea. There is a love that will not let you go. No matter what you're going through, no matter your circumstances, there is a love that will not let you go. Please open your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to start with verse 1. Uh, and if you don't personally own a Bible, then today is your day. Uh, just take that Black Few Bible home. You can have it, you can keep it. You might say, Well, where do I start reading? I would suggest the beginning of the New Testament there are four Gospels there which are biographies about Jesus written by Matthew Mark Luke and John read one of those now in Jeremiah we're talking earlier than Jesus and the sixth century BC uh, Jerusalem has been conquered by Babylon the Babylonian Empire the, the temple was burned and destroyed the, the walls of the city are torn down the leaders many people are killed And the leaders and and those with valuable skills who are left were taken in chains to the city of Babylon hundreds of miles away. Now if you're a Jew, this was the thing that you never thought could happen. You always thought God will always protect Jerusalem. You thought God will not let his temple fall. But God's judgment came just as the prophets had warned them. The prophet Jeremiah, he stayed in Jerusalem, and he wrote a letter to the exiles in Babylon. And you can see, if you're looking in the Pew Bible, at the heading at the beginning of chapter 29, it says, a letter to the exiles. And verse 1 begins introducing the letter. It says, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles. And to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, that is the king of Babylon, had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, there were people in Babylon uh, pretending to be prophets, telling their fellow Jews that, hey, don't worry, captivity's not going to last very long. God's going to swoop in and rescue us, and we're all going to be back home before you know it. And Jeremiah said, uh uh. Verse verse 4 starts the letter, says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Jeremiah is letting them know that, that these aren't his words alone this is what the Lord Yahweh their God says here's and God says here's what you're supposed to do and if you follow with me on verses 5 and 6 build houses and settle down plant gardens and eat what they produce marry and have sons and daughters find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may too may have sons and daughters Increase in number there. Do not decrease. In other words, unpack your bags, folks. You're going to be here a while. Plant gardens. Plant yourselves. You're in a bad situation. I know that. You don't like being here. You wish you were back home. But make the most of it. Raise your kids here. Have grandchildren here. Make Babylon your home. So now I'm going to expand our main idea just a little bit. Even in Babylon, there is a love that will not let you go. Will you say that with me? Even in Babylon, there is a love that will not let you go. What's your Babylon? What's your Babylon? Could be Uh, health-related. Maybe you have diabetes. I mean, that's a that's a big verdict to get from your doctor isn't it well you have diabetes now nobody wants diabetes but you have to make peace with it you have to make the most out of life with it and even there even in Babylon there is a love that will not let you go maybe you've had to flee an abusive uh, person in your life and and you feel like a refugee you've had to 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 forced to leave your home you have to start life all over again even there, even in Babylon, there is a love that will not let you go. Maybe you're dealing with the cruelties of life in middle school. And you're trying to, you know, learn who you are. And meanwhile, your, your peers and your parents, they don't seem to understand anything. Even in Babylon, there is a love that will not let you go. Last Sunday, Trish and I went to the Love Can store at Westroads. It was the last day it was open. And uh, that afternoon, there were several Faith Westwood people serving there. It was a, really a cool thing, a cool place to go to. And, and as we approached the store, a couple of middle school students were, handed us cards. Uh, and their job was, you know, create a little curiosity out there in the mall and invite people to come and check out the store. Each card had a statement on it and alora timberlake handed me the top card that she was holding it said god perfectly loves your imperfections whoa that is so cool i mean i really thought about that took took it to heart god perfectly loves your imperfections And i thought about you know all the things about me Whoa, you know I, i deal with anxiety and uh, sometimes it makes me tense or it keeps me awake at night. I, I struggle also to, to, to balance work and life. And, and actually, also, I can be selfish. Uh, you, if, we're, if I'm ever helping serve up a dessert for everybody, you just watch, I'm very likely to take the biggest piece. <laughs> it's happened a lot. And I've got a defensive streak that just kind of pops out of nowhere. I want to tell you what happened uh, Friday night uh, earlier in the day I went online and I bought movie tickets for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 yeah and so you know I went to the website of, of the Alamo draft house and and uh, you know I wanted to reserve our seats but I, as I went, it was just kind of confusing how they had it all set up but you know eventually I did it and I got our seats all picked out for the 715 showing well, we finished eating a little early, so uh, we arrived at the theater early, and then uh, the, the email that I had said I had to show this confirmation number to, at the counter so we could get our tickets, and so I waited in line for about ten minutes, and then the woman that was behind the counter, she, I told her about this. She says, "Really?" And then she, she looked at all. She, I showed her the email on my phone. She says, "I don't think this is for our theater." And then she looked a little farther down and says, oh, yeah, this is for the village point. And I went, what? I bought tickets to the wrong place. And so I'm, in, I'm embarrassed, you know. And, I, and we, we think, well, can we make it? And, and so I got in the car, and I was, I was mad about messing it up. And I was worried that we weren't going to make it to, to, to across, you know, town to see this movie that I'd already paid for. And I can just see God laughing and going, hey, Angels. Come and look at this idiot, you know? (laughs) Now he's got to drive 10 miles to get to his movie. I just love this guy, you know? And of course, thanks to 20 minutes of previews, we made it to Village Point in time to see the movie. But God doesn't give up on me. In spite of my imperfections, in, in spite of all the stupid things I do, even in Babylon... There is a love that will not let me go. So here's what I want you to do. Turn to somebody uh, and tell them one of your embarrassing imperfections. Not necessarily your sins, but imperfections, weaknesses, stupid things you do. Uh, You can can talk to somebody that you came with, or you can turn to a a complete stranger and just tell them... uh, Uh, Or if you'd rather not do it at all, of course you don't have to. But I'm going to give you a minute just to kind of turn to somebody next to you and share one of hopefully embarrassing imperfections starting now. Well, I've heard some uh, good laughter going on there. You must have some really good, <laughs> embarrassing imperfections to, to talk about. Um, on, my, on my way home uh, from the Love Can store last Sunday, I, I had to stop at Walgreens over here uh, on Q Street. And uh, I had that card in my shirt pocket that said, God perfectly loves your imperfections. So, um, when I was checking out there at the store, I laid it down on the counter for the, uh, the young woman there who was, who was uh, checking my stuff. And I said, you know, somebody gave this to me today and I'd like to give it to you. And she looked down and read it and she smiled and said, thank you. Um, I don't know, just... It's the kind of message maybe that people need to hear. Now, you might be in Babylon right now in some way. Now's your time to make a new start. Plant yourself in new soil. There's a new life waiting for you. Maybe it's not the the, the life that you had imagined for yourself before, but it's a life that can be good. And following Jesus means that we help one another in Babylon, right? Uh, And that's why with our FaithWorks pantry, we really go all out to try to not do anything that would damage anyone's dignity. We, We see food, rather than just filling people's shelves and stomachs, it's an opportunity to make friends. And, and whenever our pantry patrons decide they want to come and, and help us and volunteer with us, we think that is just a wonderful thing. I mean, that's a win-win for everybody. Next month, uh, uh, several of our high school students are going, going to Costa Rica, uh, specifically to Tarasas, a, a slum area of San Jose. And they'll be working side-by-side side with, with missionaries and also people who live there. Um, and... Uh, some of our, I mean, some of the time our students are going to be doing manual labor. You know, we always do that. You never know what you're going to actually get to do, but they'll have something for you. But the big thing is relationships. And that's, that's the big reason that we're there, to get to know these abandoned mothers and their children and to, to play with the kids and love them and, and to pray with these families and to, be, to love and to be loved by them. And when that happens, It'll be a sign that even in Babylon, there is a love that will not let you go. In his letter, Jeremiah says that the exile is going to last 70 years. In other words, you who are getting this letter, you're not coming home. Your grandchildren may come back, but you won't. The Lord says in verse 7, if you still have your Bible open, uh, verse 7, the Lord says, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Pray for Babylon? Yeah. Pray for Babylon. Be a blessing to Babylon. Bless your captors. Bless one another. Continue, uh, contribute to the prosperity of this city and it will contribute to your prosperity. I wanna show you a video today um, that all 39 churches doing the Love Can series are going to see, so let's watch.
1: Hi, my name is Laura. I work at the Open Door Mission in Council Bluffs, Iowa. I come here every day anticipating what God will do in the lives of the people that come through the door. Whether it's just meeting a material need, whether it's a spiritual need, whether it's just a hug, it's what compels me to be here, just being able to love the people that come through here, and that's seriously my deepest heart. This seems like a really unglamorous job, but I think what I've learned from the Lord too is there's no job too mundane that doesn't glorify Him. (laughs) I just think that there's nothing, no job too little or too unglamorous. I was raised in a Catholic home. Um, My parents, we, we went to church every Sunday. My mom and my father were incredible servants. They cooked at church all the time. They were always there. So I learned at an early age to volunteer and to be a help to the community and to our church. We moved from Michigan to Tucson, Arizona. I met a man that was an independent garage owner I didn't know what that journey was going to take me through, but every day he told me little bits and pieces of the Bible, told me about Jesus. And to me, Jesus was always on the cross, hanging there, and I used to always think, how sad it is. But he explained that Jesus wasn't on the cross anymore, that he had risen from the dead, and that he could live inside me. And I accepted the Lord on a Friday night. I remember just standing in my living room going, if God, my boss keeps on telling me about you, and if you are who he says you are, I need you. I want you. I'm desperate. And I remember dropping down to my knees and just sobbing. From there on, it was it was no turning back. It was wonderful to really have a new, I felt like a new creation. I really did. They've been praying for this place for years, trying to find someplace here in Council Bluffs to meet this community's need. And I was asked to open this outreach center and that's where I am right now. Every single person that comes through here, you may look at them and they're really rough looking. They come in, they're ready for a fight or whatever, but you sit down and you talk to them and you learn that they have a story. I think that's what the Lord's really opening my, my heart and my eyes up to, is just loving people right where they're at and not judging them. People that are in the shelter um, here in Council Bluffs, they, they actually have to leave at 8.30 in the morning, so this is probably one of the places that they can come and just have their community here. I have this one gentleman that uh, came in and started talking to me. He wanted to get off the streets. He was just done being an alcoholic. He was done with his life and you know we just had that conversation and before he was ready to leave I asked him, I said, do you mind if I, and he put his hand up and he says, don't even ask. You're not praying for me. Don't even go there. I said, okay. I, I just was gonna ask but that's fine. About a month later he came in and he came and sat at my desk and he said, okay, I'm ready, I need you to pray for me. That to me was breakthrough and all it was was a simple little prayer of God, you know his heart, you love him right where he's at. Would you just minister to him and would you help him along the way? And just something so simple and tears flowed and He's been so different since he's come in here. That to me is a success story because that's God breaking down the walls through love. If I just abandon myself and surrender myself, I see people differently and I can love them. If we as churches just work together, I think we could see an end to poverty, spiritual poverty. I think we could see an end to the hate that we see in in others, because if we can love right where people are at, that's what draws people um, to the love of God, and I believe the love of God is what really can change the landscape of our city.
0: Good, good to hear Laura's story, wasn't it? I, I like, especially how in the earlier part of it, she was sharing about, you know, coming to find out about Jesus in a different way and how she opened her heart and then she just kind of fell on her knees and was sobbing. And I was trying to, you know, it was that, maybe it was relief. Maybe it was joy. Maybe it was just a feeling of being set free. But she knew that Jesus loved her right where she was and over and over in this video she tells about that's what she feels her calling is is to love people right where they are I want to share one more story it's a about a guy named George and George did not have an easy life he had an eye disease and I'm not sure what it was but by the time he was 18 he was blind and he'd wanted to go to college uh, he wanted to study the Bible and theology. And, uh, but he didn't, wasn't sure how he was going to be able to do that. Well, his, uh, his sister helped him. And she learned Greek and Hebrew and Latin to help him in his studies. Well, eventually, uh, George got through all the, his studies and he became a pastor. He never married But his sister stayed with him and helped him in his pastoral work. At the age of 34, uh, George went through a time of what he called severe mental suffering. He didn't ever tell anybody what it was about, whether it was depression or something else, but he he just called it severe mental suffering. And, And at one point during it, he had a moment of inspiration. And he began to write down poetic verse uh, and and it just, you know, words to a song and it just kind of poured out of him all of a sudden, you know, about four verses and four minutes and he said such a thing had never happened to him before or after. In his deep anguish, George Matheson penned the words that began, O love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in Thee. His song was published later that year. The year was 1882. Um, It's in our hymnals today. O love that wilt not let me go. There is a love. There is a love that will not let you go. Even in your confusion, even in your feelings of being abandoned, afraid, or angry, even in your imperfections, even in the stupid things you do, even in your mistakes, even in Babylon, Jesus is ready to make his home in you just as he did for Laura. He won't give up on you. He will plant you in a new life and make you his new creation. He will give you purpose. He will give you peace and love and joy and He will work through you to bring peace and prosperity to others. There is a love that will not let you go. Let's pray. Oh Lord, uh, this morning we just want to tell you that uh, maybe we've been far from you. We've, We've kind of watched other people have an experience like Laura's or maybe they've come to it very gradually and not suddenly, but it's very real to them in a way that maybe for some of us here it is not. But today, Lord, we know we need it. We need you. We are desperate. We want to experience this love that will not let us go. And so if that's the desire of your heart, I'm going to lead in a prayer, uh, sentence by sentence, and I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. So uh, if this does express your heart, just repeat it out, uh, good and strong, and let let it be your your, uh, expression to God. Let's pray. Oh God, you know all about me. You know my failures and my imperfections. Let me know your love that will not let me go. Jesus, make your home in me. Make me your new creation. I give all that I am to you. you. Amen.